Hi, everybody, and welcome to Bible Prophecy Radio, episode 201. Who are the two witnesses? Can we know? What does the Bible tell us? And what do they have to do with you and your future? We're going to explore that today, and I hope you enjoy it. What can we know for sure about the two witnesses? And is it possible to get an idea, at least, of who they might be? We're going to find out today. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 11 and read what it says. Starting in verse 1, Then I was given a measuring stick, and I was told, Go and measure the temple of God and the altar, and count the number of worshippers. But do not measure the outer courtyard, for it has been turned over to the Gentiles. They will trample the holy city for 42 months, that's three and a half years, or 1260 days. And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will be clothed in burlap, or sackcloth, and will prophesy during those 1260 days. So this is the three and a half year period when Israel particularly Jerusalem, shall be trampled on for 42 months, as it says in verse 2. And then God says that he will give them, the two witnesses, power and the ability to prophesy during those 1260 days or three and a half years. These two prophets are the two olive trees, and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of all the earth. There is a documentary on YouTube that talks about the two witnesses, and I watched that movie. It's the movie, the two witnesses movie. I don't agree. At first I did. I thought, that sounds pretty plausible. But after thinking about it overnight, I realized, wait a minute, this, this has a couple of major flaws. So what did they say about it? What did they think, or who did they think they were, these two witnesses? The answer is the church and Israel. The church and Israel would be the two witnesses, which would make it a mighty army of people, millions of people. Millions of people claim to be Christians, and there are millions of Jews in the world. I'm going to show you why that's a problem in just a little bit. Verse 4, Revelation 11. These two prophets are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of all the earth. Could you call any human being today someone who stands before the Lord of all the earth? Who is this Lord of all the earth? Is that Christ? Is that God? Or is that an imposter? Didn't God say somewhere in the word of God that the God of this world is Satan the devil? Hmm, where did he say that? It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I'm going to start reading in verse 3. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan 
who is the God, little g, God, of this world, has blinded the minds of those who won't or don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact representation or likeness of God. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We go around preaching that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we ourselves are servants for the Lord's sake, for Jesus' sake. For God, verse 6, who said, Let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ, unquote. So back here in Revelation 11, this Lord of all the earth may be the devil. Verse 5, if anyone tries to harm them, and this is back in Revelation 11, fire flashes from their mouths and consumes their enemies. Now, can you imagine a group of people, millions of people strong, being able to do that? No, no, not really. So, that kind of shot it down for me. I just, I don't buy into that theory any longer. This is how anyone who tries to harm the two witnesses must die. They have power to shut up the sky. Now, that's just like Elijah who shut up the heavens for three and a half years. That's interesting. They have power to shut up the sky so that no rain will fall for as long as they prophesy. And they have power to turn the rivers and oceans into blood. Who did that in the Old Testament? Um, well, that would be Moses. And to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they wish. Now, that might be given to a couple of individuals, but not to millions of people at a time, millions of Jews and multiple millions of Christians. Verse 7, when they complete their testimony, the beast that comes up out of the bottomless pit will declare war against them, and he will conquer them and kill them. And their bodies will lie in the main street of Jerusalem, the city that is figuratively called Sodom and Egypt. Sin cities, in other words. The city where the Lord was crucified. And for three and a half days, all peoples, tribes, languages, and nations will stare at their bodies. No one will be allowed to bury them. All the people who belong to this world will gloat over them. Ha, ha, ha. You know, that type of an attitude. And give presents to each other to celebrate the death of the two prophets who had tormented them. So we know from this that they are prophets and that they have extraordinary, that is, superhuman powers. Verse 11, but after three and a half days of being dead, in other words, God breathed life into them and they stood up. Terror struck all who were staring at them. Then a loud voice from heaven called to the two prophets, Come up here. 
and they rose to heaven in a cloud as their enemies watched. Isn't that the same thing that happened to Jesus himself? Who are these two witnesses? Who are these very powerful prophets of God? At the same time, there was a terrible earthquake that destroyed a tenth of the city of Jerusalem. 7,000 people died in that earthquake, and everyone else was terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. Verse 14, the second terror is past, but look, the third terror is coming quickly. As we saw in verse 4, these two prophets are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of all the earth. This could be the Lord God, because in verse uh, 15, Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices shouting in heaven, The world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. So I'm not real sure, and I'm not going to take a bullet over this one, whether I'm right or not, because frankly, at this point, we have not yet established who this Lord of all the earth is. We know it could be the devil, but let's keep going here. In the movie, The Two Witnesses, you will find that the three theories that are examined there are these two witnesses are Old Testament saints, like maybe Enoch and Elijah, or maybe Moses and Aaron, maybe Joshua and Caleb. Another theory is that they are contemporary men. Well, that would be a bit of a stretch to me, but the, the real theory they finally land on in this movie is that it's the church and the Jews. Well, that sounds plausible in the movie until you start thinking about it. The second, Give it a second thought if you're going to watch that movie and accept what they say. Didn't Jesus himself say that his disciples would be his witnesses? And I'm not talking about Jehovah's Witnesses here. Let's go to Acts 1 and verse 8 for a minute. Well, let's start in uh, verse 6, chapter 1 of Acts. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come now for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, The Father alone has set the authority for those dates and times, and they are not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up in a cloud while they were still watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring up into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go 
unquote. Doesn't this seem to indicate that the witnesses could be his disciples? Well, in a possible way, I suppose so. But it also says that there were two men standing in white robes suddenly that appeared to them among them and standing beside them. They didn't know who they were at the time. Were they angels? Well, this word that is translated men comes from the Greek word anir, A-N apostrophe dash A-Y-R to be exact from Strong's, and it's A-N-E-R in English. It's a word that means a man, fellow, male, individual, husband, man or sir. So this doesn't really fit very well with that being an angel. So apparently this was a man or a resurrected person, you might um, think. And I would too. I mean, that's the way it might be. Let's consider who this might be. Many of my listeners know about the resurrection of Jesus. When the women were the first to the tomb on the day of his resurrection, they saw two men clothed in white, one at the head and the other at the foot where the body of Jesus had lain. You can look that one up. But it's the same word used there for men. These were men, but they were glowing in white. That reminds me of the transfiguration. When Jesus saw Moses and Elijah standing one on either side of him, and he himself was also in his glorified state. Well, I think that's very interesting. Could it be that these two witnesses are Moses and Elijah? I've heard other theories that say it was Elijah and Enoch because they were both taken up by a whirlwind or by a chariot of fire and taken away into heaven or wherever. Well, Enoch was not a Jew. However, Elijah was, and so was Moses. Now, if you were to choose two of the most likely people to be the two witnesses, I think that's a logical choice, that it would be the resurrected Moses and the resurrected Elijah, because they are preaching to whom? So far, we know that these two witnesses have the power to shut up the sky so that no rain will come, and that they had power to hurt the ones that were trying to destroy them. So why were they able to be killed? They have the power to turn rivers and oceans into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they wish. That's in verse 6 of chapter 11 of Revelation. When they complete their testimony, the beast that comes up out of the bottomless pit will declare war against them, and he will conquer them and kill them. And their bodies will lie in the main street of Jerusalem, 
for three and a half days, so that all peoples, tribes, languages, and nations will stare at their dead bodies. Well, that's only possible through the magic of television and the internet. Verse 11, but after the three and a half days, as we read, God breathed life back into them, and they stood up. It struck terror into all who were staring at them. Then a loud voice from heaven called to the two prophets, Come up here. And so they rose to heaven in a cloud. Much ado has been made over these two witnesses. And there is going to be a terrible war in the Middle East. So what do they have to do with us and with you? And what do they have to do with the world and its future? Well, these two witnesses are witnessing to a specific group of people. And that would be those who are on the Temple Mount, if you ask me. And that would be Jews, Christians, and Muslims, which are all three there. However, remember what we read in verse 2, But do not measure the outer courtyard, for it has been turned over to the nations, or the Gentiles, and they will trample the holy city for forty-two months, three and a half years. And I will give my power to my two witnesses, and they will be clothed in burlap. Now, what does that signify? Humility. All throughout the Bible, every time you find someone clothed in ashes and sackcloth, it is because they are humbling themselves. And that's the purpose of putting on sackcloth and ashes. It's a sign of repentance for sin. Now, did Moses sin? Did Elijah sin? They were just as human as I am, or as you are. And they had weaknesses just like everyone else, but God used them mightily to help the children of Israel and to teach them the laws and ways of God so that they might repent, so that they might turn from their idolatry and get back to the one and only true God. Remember, Elijah is the one who called down fire from heaven after pouring water all over the altar that he had built for God to worship and honor God. Fire came down from heaven with a 20-second prayer from Elijah, and it ate up not only the sacrifice and the wood, but the stones and the water they had poured all over it three times with barrels and barrels of water, but licked up all the water and all the dust around the altar and the altar itself, the way I understand it. And he also killed the 450 prophets of Baal that were standing right there, cutting themselves and trying to get fire to come down from heaven. Because Elijah had told them, the one who answers by fire licks up all the, all the water and everything that is around it is God. And it fell upon his altar instead of the prophets of Baal, proving that the one and only true God is the Lord God, Jehovah. I'm talking about the prophet of God named Elijah and what he did. 
and he was part of the Jewish line. So he would be very credible to the Jews, would he not? He's one of them, and so would Moses. So I think the likelihood of both of those two being the two witnesses in resurrected bodies, by the way, and that's unusual because the general resurrection has not really happened until the return of Christ, and that's when the resurrection of first fruits will occur. That's the one I hope you are part of, and me too. But the miraculous signs that they are showing at this time are shutting up the heavens, causing water to become blood, striking the earth with every kind of plague, just like Moses did, and by being killed and raised from the dead, right there. Now, were they spirit beings before they actually did these things? That is, were they in resurrection bodies when they appeared to Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration? Well, there's a lot of speculation about that. I would dare say that God has the power to resurrect anybody he wants at any time he wants, and he may very well have reserved the first resurrection for the first fruits at the time of the return of Christ, because we will be the ones who believed having not seen. But you see, Elijah and Moses both saw God, and if they were the ones in the tomb at the time of the resurrection, actually, of Christ, then they saw Jesus resurrect from the dead. They would be more believable than anybody in history toward the Jews. The Jews would understand them. They would know their language. They would recognize who they were. Even John and Peter and Andrew saw the two witnesses that came on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. And they were also witnesses of his resurrection. So I think it's very likely that these two, Moses and Elijah, are the two witnesses. Now, I don't know that. It doesn't say that. But in my studies of the Bible, it sure seems likely. I would like to thank my good friend Nelson Walters, who's a friend of mine from YouTube, and we've conversed over the, uh, the comments and such, for uh, doing this video. This video is called Two Witnesses Documentary, Who, What, and When. You are welcome to go to YouTube and watch this. But we're trying to do our best to advance the cause of Christ. And that's what we both are all about. He's a great guy, and he has a team of scholars that he works with to put these videos together. And he does a great job, really, in, in all honesty. I really enjoy his videos, and I learn from them. And I hope you do, too. But you can also go to my website, which I have no advertising, and I'm not trying to get your email or anything like that. But it's called itellwhy.com. 
I Tell Why is a place where I have loaded several videos along with my eight books that try to build your faith. Your faith that Jesus is the Christ. Your faith that he is God. Your faith that he rose from the dead. You know, you can read Fox's Book of Martyrs, which I highly recommend, and it has a story to tell for every martyr that's happened, even right up to the 21st century, all the way back to Christ and the time he lived as a human being. People don't die for something they know is a hoax. Think about that. Would you? No, I wouldn't either. No, if I knew it was a joke or a tongue-in-cheek snide remark or or a, a trick we're trying to play, I wouldn't lay down my life for that. No, absolutely not. But if I couldn't deny what I had seen or heard or heard in my mind's eye through God's Holy Spirit, hopefully I will not give up on that even at the point of a bayonet. So I hope to build faith with the website, itellwhy.com. You're welcome to go there. You can download and print my books for free. I'm not trying to get money. I'm trying to give away faith in Christ as God, itellwhy.com, and also jesusiswhy.com. They both will take you to the same place. I have recorded my Life of Christ series, 30 episodes strong of 30 minutes apiece, on the life of Christ. And it's taken from the four Gospels and the book of Acts, plus the book of Revelation. If you're willing and have the time to do it, I recommend you do listen to that. And hopefully... It will make sense to you that way because I've taken a little section here and correlated it with, you know, like Matthew and a little bit out of John and a little bit out of Mark and Luke and mixed it together so that it sounds like a cohesive story line that goes all the way through the life of Christ. And I know there are many others who have done this as well, but I wanted to do one too. Why? Because it helped me grow in faith, just writing the thing and then recording it and putting it up on the internet for your benefit. So it's there whenever you get around to it or get ready. And I hope you do. I'm just as human as you. Don't forget that. And I make mistakes. So study the Word of God and believe what you see there and use Scripture to interpret Scripture. So until next time, I'm Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. Have a great day. Thanks for listening.